Art of the Kickstart, Episode 103. Welcome to the Art of the Kickstart.com, where entrepreneurs are constantly pushing the envelope to build businesses of greatness. Inventors are innovating and creating the products of the future, and backers stand strong for what they believe. These are some of the great thinkers, inventors, and leaders of our time. Here are their stories. Today's Art of the Kickstart podcast is brought to you guys by eFulfillmentService.com. I'll tell you more about them later, but they're absolutely awesome. Guys, welcome to Art of the Kickstart. We have an awesome interview. This is actually a dual interview. Just got off the phone, and I'm still on the phone, with Scott Volker, the amazing seller. He's crushing it on Amazon, and we're having him on today to share some strategies you guys can use post-Kickstarter to build a kick-ass business. Thanks for coming today, Scott. Hey, thanks a lot for having me, Matt. I really appreciate it. And I'm pumped up to uh, get into this stuff. I love talking about this stuff. I love talking about it too. No pressure, Scott, but we start these off with a life quote, a success quote. What do you got? <laughs> well, you kind of put me on the spot here, but the first thing that comes to mind is really simple to words, take action. It's just, uh, you know, something that I live by whatever I'm doing, you know, whether it's, uh, you know, trying to, uh, you know, improve my, uh, you know, my golf game, which I don't golf much anymore, but if I was, it would be to take action and get better. Or with my business, I'm going to go ahead and take action and move my step, you know, myself one step further. So, uh, you know, in anything that we do, I just think that it's so important to just take action because thinking about it and just researching and, and kind of pondering on the idea doesn't do anything, you know, result or, or giving you the result. And if you want to make a better life for yourself, take action in whatever it is, whether it's productivity or just making yourself a better person. Choose what you want to do. Do something stupid and make it happen. Scott, absolutely. 30,000 foot view. Give listeners a little bit of an overview on how you got to where you are. Wow. That's a pre-FBA. Pre-FBA. All right. Uh, well, uh, I was uh, probably 21 years old, got a job with my father in a construction business that we started from scratch. Well, he was already in business, started from scratch. I helped him out and getting started. He trained me in the construction field. Fast forward, we built that company to probably doing close to two million in sales. I was running probably around six or seven crews. I uh, was, you know, a foreman on the job most of the time, and then from there I left that to uh, spend more time with my kids. And uh, we started a part-time photography business because my wife was into photography, but never professionally trained, mind you. Started that business. I uh, left my job as a con- contractor and built that business to a six-figure business locally doing children's uh, portrait photography. Mind you, I knew nothing about photography, but I took action, as I said in the beginning, and I learned it. And I learned the basics just to get the results that we needed. And we did that. We built a nice little business and uh, was able to spend time with my kids because uh, I had kids at the time. Now I have three and family is number one for me. That's my why in life. So Basically, I built that for about six or seven years and then started to uh, figure out that I was spending a lot of time again, working, which I didn't want to do. I wanted to do it because I enjoyed it and I wanted to find a way that I could supplement my income. So I started looking online and uh, seeing that other people were teaching, you know, what they were doing. And I was thinking, I said, what can I teach? You know, what, what, what do I do right now that people would be interested in? And uh, I started creating these, uh, I was good in Photoshop. I taught myself Photoshop and uh, I started getting pretty good at it. So I was making uh, card templates and stuff for our business. And I started selling them on eBay. And started to see people were buying them. And I was like, wow, I'm creating something once and selling it forever. This is a pretty cool thing. 
So I went ahead and uh, built that up to where I started selling a lot of those and probably making, I think in the start, probably like 500 to 800 bucks a month, a little side business. And it was all digital at the time. That's when eBay allowed you to do digital downloads. They don't anymore. It has to be a physical product. But anyway, so did that and uh, then started to see that people were asking me about photography and stuff. So I said, maybe I could teach this. Fast forward again, I built it to where I started building an email list, but I built it up to where I had about a thousand people on an email list them just stuff for free, how to do Photoshop, how to set up lighting, you know, all of the big stuff. And then asking me if I taught a course. And I said uh, at the time I didn't, but maybe I'll create one. Another long story short, I created one and did my first launch on the internet. And I did over $12,000 in about uh, three hours. And that was a life-changing moment to me and validated that this thing is really, really possible. Built that up over the course of uh, six years. I'm still doing that. I still run that company. It's New Portrait Is is the name. I'm not as much involved in it as, as much as I used to be because now Amazon has kind of taken a little bit of a forefront, but uh, it really still, uh, I'm still running that business. I still have members in a, in a membership area where I supply digital downloads and templates and stuff. And uh, so from there, I just, again, always being an entrepreneur, wanted to see if I could supplement my income, but didn't want it really a, a hands-on with, with a customer face-to-face or anything. So I started hearing about this FBA thing. And I said, you know what? I know internet marketing. I know all that stuff. I know all the basics. Let me just see if this thing's going to really actually work. So I, again, some free research, looked online and stuff, started following like Ryan uh, Moran and uh, Pat Flynn had a couple people on his podcast and stuff. And I just, I got the, the concept. So I just did my research. I did my sourcing and I pretty much launched my first product in 90 days. I did over $40,000 in revenue. And then since then, it's been about six months, and I've done over a hundred and fifty or sixty thousand now. I don't know the exact number off the top of my head. And uh, the margins has gotten a lot better. Started with my margins at around thirty percent, and now I've got them up to about forty to forty-five percent margin um, on that. And the months have just gotten better, and it's just opened my eyes to a, a whole another world. And uh, now, because of that, I've started a podcast because again, it's one of those things I enjoy talking about, just like I'm on with you. And the podcast has now just taken off, and now I'm into the next part of this journey to where I'm starting to actually teach this stuff. And I give you the thirty thousand foot view. That is a good thirty thousand foot view. We got the drone, and that's why we're we're here, Scott. Private labeling. So one big challenge that Kickstarters have is what do I do next? What is private labeling? How do you start a business? Okay, well, private labeling is simple. As, it's as, as simple as understanding that. There's manufacturers out there right now that produce a product, and then they'll put your brand on it, and then you can sell it as your own brand. And this is happening years. If you ever went to the grocery market or the supermarket, and you see that they have, you know, like a cereal, and the cereal is made by Kellogg's, but then they have the store brand right next to it, that's a private label product. Every single grocery store can put the brand on it, and then you'll see it's a little bit less, but it's still pretty much the same product. But some people want to buy the name brand and some people want to buy the private label brand, whatever. But that's kind of the concept where you can have a product that's being created and you just can put your name on it and then sell it as your own. That's really what private labeling is. The benefits of doing it now, Amazon has become this uh, the mainstream as far as doing it. But the benefits of doing it is people were all doing FBA. FBA is basically fulfilled by Amazon. It's where you ship product to Amazon. They take care of everything. They take care of handling the product, storing the product, shipping the product, handling refunds, any of that stuff they take care of. All you do is ship inventory to them. A little bit of customer service here and there. But 
they handle everything. So that's FBA. So when we're talking about FBA, that's what we're talking about. So, um, so really, uh, you know, the, the, the best thing about this thing is that you can create a product. Actually, you can find products that are already selling and then kind of create your own product or the same product and just put your brand on it. But what people were doing to get started in this FBA thing is they're going to garage sales. They're going to, you know, closeouts, you know, at, at a supermarket or if they have like a, a clearance or whatever. And they're finding real, you know, physical products that are name brands. And then what they're doing is they're getting, getting that 75% off or 80% off. Then they're relisting them on Amazon and then selling them, which is a great thing, right? It's, it, they call it retail arbitrage. The problem is for me, it's too much work, right? I don't want to go and find five, you know, garlic presses over here that are discounted and then have to go list them. Then after those five are gone, I got to go find another five. I got to go find something else. So I come from the digital world where I want to create something once and sell it forever. That's my, that's my mantra. That's kind of what I live by. And Amazon, is, having your own private label product is the closest thing to that because now you can create a product, put your brand on it, and now you don't share that with anyone. Just to kind of give you a little, you've probably talked about this yourself, Matt, but when you retail arbitrage and you're selling like a name brand, like let's say that you're selling like Mattel toys, well, you're sharing that buy box with maybe 10 other sellers. So the only person that's going to come up first is the cheapest. So then you start competing on price. With a private label product, you have your own UPC code. It's your own product. No one else is going to be able to sell that product because it's yours. You've branded it. So because of that, you own the, uh, the buy box 100% of the time. Okay? So that's the huge benefit. And what's the buy and box not, for people that aren't familiar? The buy box is the add to cart button. Basically, when you, see, when you go to Amazon and you see the add to cart button, you might see also – also offered by these sellers, and then you'll see a list of sellers down below, right? Well, in the private label, you are only going to be the one with the add to cart button. There's going to be no other person selling that item. The only way that someone else is going to sell your product is if they bought your product and they wanted to resell the product as used, then underneath your listing, it might say one new or, you know, whatever, however, it might say new plus two used. And then you can have the option to, 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 uh, to you know, have to buy the used item or the new item. And, uh, you know, if you didn't want that on your listing, to be honest with you, and you want to own it 100% again, you can either wait for it to sell out, which will usually sell, or you can buy the two back yourself and then just relist them as home again. You know, so there's ways around that, but you're not competing with 10 or 15 or 20 other people trying to sell this Mattel toy, right? Because it's, it's owned by Mattel and their UPC code. Everyone is using the same UPC code. With private label, you own that UPC code because you bought the UPC code. Okay. Makes sense? Yes. And it sounds absolutely beautiful. FBA, I mean, it sounds pretty sexy. You send your product in and they handle things for you. So there's two ways you can look at this. So for Kickstarters, people that are crowdfunding something, is that a viable option for them post Kickstarter to go to Amazon in your opinion? 125% because I mean, I, I, I actually I interviewed a guy on my podcast and uh, he basically started as an e-commerce. So he had his own product. He made his own, I believe it was, I'd have to look it up, but he makes his own like uh, cream, like shaving creams and stuff like that. And lotions for men's. For, yeah, there you go. Will Evans. Great guy too, by the way. Yeah, he and, is. Um, and yeah, so, yeah, so I, and I think his name of his company is Chiefs. But he started in the e-commerce. And the e-commerce he thought was going to be the way to go. And he didn't want to go on Amazon, you know. And then he found out that, after he listed it on Amazon, Amazon was better than his e-commerce because it was more autopilot and he had less hands-on. He just had to ship in product, you know? So a lot of people discount that. So me personally, if I was going to crowdfund, which I haven't, 
But if I was, I would crowdfund. I would get that product going. So I, I knew that we were going to be able to sell some. We're going to you know pay for the, the production and all that stuff. But then that's all the hard work, really. Now I would take and I'd reap the benefits of Amazon and ship product there and use that audience, that channel, to then continue to bring in sales, continue to build out my customer base using Amazon's channel. So how's Amazon's channel work? Specifically, what sells, what doesn't, and how do you find out? Okay. Well, first off, let me just say, you need to understand, and I just did a podcast on this, it was at least the five, uh, the five things you need to understand about mindset. And one of them was understanding the algorithm. And it's really simple. Amazon, you're there for really one reason, to buy something, right? Facebook, you're there to look at people's photos, right? So is it a viable traffic source? Yeah, kind of. But Amazon, you're there for one thing. You got a credit card on file, you're there shopping for something, right? So to me personally, putting, putting, uh, putting the product up on, on Amazon and using their algorithm, which is basically sales, okay? They, everything's based off of sales. So the more sales you get, the more you're going to rank, the higher you're going to rank, the, more you, the higher you rank, you're going to be able to get more sales, you're going to get more reviews, and it's just going to feed the algorithm. So the algorithm is sales, reviews, which drive sales, and sales, and then reviews, and then sales. So it just it all comes back to the sales because the more sales you get, Amazon doesn't help promote you because they want to have more sales. So it just makes sense. It's really, really, really simple how the algorithm works. I think people need to understand that because if you understand that, it, you, you can take away all of the complexity and say, it doesn't have to be that complicated. Just got to get sales. And there's ways to do that. Sounds just like Kickstarter. Kickstarter makes money when you fund more. So they show the winners. Why show the losers? Same thing with Amazon. 100%. What if people want to check? So they have they have a cool idea. So Shido Stand, we talked about it. It's a case for your laptop that's a stand desk as well. How do I do research on Amazon to see, our Amazon audience, is this the channel that's going to buy my product or is it even not worth my time? Yeah, well, and, and we talked about that a little bit. You know, The electronic space is a little bit of a, a competitive market, a little bit of a saturated market, but you have a unique product. Now, you know, in, in your case, it's a little different. We, we would want to look at stands that are already selling, if there even are any on there. So the way that I do it is, is and the way that I did it with my first product, which my first product right now is definitely the clear winner. And I've just launched uh, two other products. One of the third product is actually like more products than one. It's, it's like variations and all that stuff, which is really cool. But, but what you really want to do is you want to be able to look at what they have, what they call a B, BSR, which is the best seller rank. So if you were looking to, to find something that was in that space, let's say it was a laptop stand. You would type in laptop stand because you know that your customer, when they go to Amazon, they're going to search you know, like laptop stand. They're not going to go there and look through categories. People think that, oh, I want to get these certain categories. No, the categories are just there to kind of organize things. But people are going there just like a search engine because it is a search engine for buyers, for customers. And they're going to search laptop stands. So then what I would do is I would look at laptop stands. I would look at the top 10 and I would see how they're selling. And the way that you tell is you click on their listing and you scroll down to where the description is. And right in there, there's a, a BSR bestseller rank. And Amazon gives everyone, pretty much everyone, and some, in some categories, they don't give a BSR, which is kind of strange to me, but they don't. But right now, most of them do. So what you do is you look at this and really to understand it, like if you were ranked one in like electronics, let's call it just to keep it easy, you would be selling a ton, right? Number one, that's bestseller rank in that main category. Now, if you were ranking 10,000, you're still probably selling okay. You're probably selling, and I'm guessing you're in that category, but you, for 10,000, you're probably still selling about 20 a day, 15 or 20 a day. So as you can look at these numbers, as you go down this list, 
you can kind of see how it's selling. The other thing that you look at is the reviews, the competition. I would look through the reviews if it's a similar product, and I would say, number one, are there a lot of reviews? Am I going to be able to compete? Because the more reviews you have, the more you're going to convert to a sale. Let's face it, it's social proof. People look at a listing, when you go to Amazon, I do anyway, and I look at it, and if I see someone that's got five reviews or someone that's got 100 reviews, I'm going to look at the one with 100, especially if they're five star or four and a half stars, and then I'm going to say that one's probably better because more people have voted for it. So then what I would do is I would look and I'd say, okay, how many reviews do these, do these different listings have? And if they were like under like 500, 500 under, then I would think that's a viable a viable that I can compete against, but it would also give me some data because then I can look through these reviews and see some of the complaints. I would look at all the three, two, and one stars and see what people are complaining about, and then I can tweak my product. So the other thing that's great, if you're doing a Kickstarter thing and you did put it on here, you want feedback. So now someone says, I really like it, but I wish that the clip was hooked more. It keeps coming on latch. Well, now you know, you know, you might want to you know, re- revamp that, go to your manufacturer saying, we're having some complaints on this. Or you might see that someone else has that problem. You can say, I'm going to make mine fix that problem. The reviews are a huge thing for you to kind of do some research before you even finalize your product in, in, in that case. But to get back on track here, I look at, at the top 10 and I look to make sure that it's, it's got depth, meaning it's got demand from, from 1 to at least 10. Meaning if I was able to get somewhere in that top 10, I'm still going to be able to sell between 10 and 20 per day. That's kind of like my benchmark. Does that make sense? That makes sense. And guys, sales and reviews, those are the driving engine. And we all know how sales works. But let's face it, I've never left a review on Amazon. I don't know about you, Scott. How do people get reviews? <laughs> yeah, It's funny, too, because I don't leave them much either. But people do. And there's people out there, believe it or not, there's people out there that are just avid Amazon reviewer and they get badges. Amazon gives them badges. So there's people out there like, you know, pumping their chest that they got a two star badge because they have over 500 reviews that they've given for products. So there's ways that you can just go find these people and then go and tell them that you got products in in this particular, you know, niche and then request them to leave a review. And there's different things you can do for that. But the main way that I do it is, is, uh, I use, uh, it's an email. Uh, system that actually goes internally inside of Amazon. So it works off of an API, which basically means that I have this third-party software. It's called Feedback Genius. And what it does is it connects with my Amazon account, my seller's account. So Amazon, you can't, you can't email them like without being inside of Amazon. Amazon doesn't give you their email address and they don't give them your email address, but they'll connect you through their email system. But if you were to manually go in and type an email out to all of these different people, it would take you hours, right? Especially when you start getting sales. Like I have sales right now where I'm getting 60 to 80 sales per day. You're thinking that'd be 60 to 80 emails per day. Well, what happens is, is they've made it so they're connecting through Amazon. So they're, they're going into your account more or less, and then they're going to send the email through Amazon. So it's totally within their terms of service. But what you do is you pre-configure these emails to when you want them to go out. So you can say, when that item is, is being shipped, I want to send them an email and say, hey, Hey, Matt, I just want to let you know that we just shipped your product or Amazon just shipped your product. Um, It should be there today or tomorrow, whenever it is. I usually do it on the day it's going to be delivered. And then I say, you know, once you get it, make sure that everything is there inside the package. If there's anything missing, please let me know. If there's any issues, let me know. We want to definitely make sure that you're happy. We're a small business and we really appreciate you as a customer. Thanks a lot, Scott. Whatever, right? Really personal. Internet internet marketing, one-on-one, be personable, right? Don't be a big major company. 
People you say like 101, but a lot of these Kickstarters don't actually know the 101. So it's good that you're going into it. Yeah. Okay. Good. So, so you know, basically, just talking like, like really, like real, right? Like, it's like you and me talking right now. That's how I would email people. It's not corporate. It's not CEO. It's it's Scott. You know, with whatever the company's name is. You know, put that down below it. But so they know they're talking to a real person, and sometimes even put owner underneath it, so they they know they're talking directly to you. But that's the first step. The second step is where I start to ask for feedback. Now, some people disagree with this this model, and this is what I do, is I basically request to get feedback. Now, feedback is different than a review, okay? And again, we'll talk about this real quickly, but feedback is for your entire seller's account. So think of your seller's account like your website, right? You've got this website. You've got all of these different posts going on your website. You've got people linking to your website. You're building up this authority on the site. The older that your site gets, it gets more mature. It gets seasoned. Your Amazon account is the same thing. Once you have a seller's account and it's brand new, you have no feedback, it's really kind of, it's bare bones, right? As you build this thing, you want feedback. The feedback score is how did the item come? You know, did it come on time? Were you, did you communicate well? So Amazon asks all these questions for you, right? They want to know their experience. because They want to make sure that you're doing a good job. So what's cool about this is I send a feedback request them to leave feedback. So I say like, hey, Matt, you know, it's been two days since you've gotten your product. I hope uh, you've been able to unpack it and use it. Um, I was, you know, just want to make sure that you're happy. If there's anything, please let me know. I go through the whole thing again. And then I might even attach a PDF that says, here, here's a little guide I put together to show you how to do X and Y, Z with the product. If you have any questions, please let me know. And oh, if you get a minute, could you go over and leave us some feedback and let us know, you know how we did. And this is and all the autoresponder, guys, just so you know, it's not all manual. No, no, not at all. Once I set this, I call this my, my basic feedback slash review machine. It works as I sleep, literally. So basically, once a sale gets dropped in, I kind of think of it like a funnel too. Like you drop a, a new person buys, they, they check out, they immediately get entered into the sequence, which is beautiful. So now they'll get feedback. Now here's the cool thing, okay? They're going to leave feedback and 99% of the time, if you have a good product, it's going to be positive. But now if they say, well, I didn't receive it on time, Amazon immediately crosses that out. They leave it there, but they cross it out and they respond full responsibility of this. So it doesn't hurt you. It's just, it's going to stay there, but it shows that it didn't get, it didn't get uh, you know, put on time or you know, shipped on time. So the cool thing is, is a lot of people will use the feedback as a, as a review system. So they think the people, like let's say you're leaving a feedback for me, you think that you're leaving a product review. So most of the time, it's good, right? It's like, oh, I love the product. It worked everything like I wanted to, just as advertised, right? But sometimes people will say, like, you know, I didn't like it because it didn't fit my wrist or whatever. Or maybe they didn't read the description right, you know, and, and they leave you a negative review on your feedback. The cool thing is within fate or within, uh, I want to say Facebook, within Amazon, you can just contact your seller's uh, support and just tell them that they left a product review on your feedback. Amazon doesn't want a product review on your feedback. They want feedback on their experience of the entire process. They don't want that. So they'll remove that feedback. So what this does is it acts as a filter. So I use it as building up my feedback score and then only reaching out to the people that have left five and four star ratings or you know reviews. So now what I do, this is the manual part. Now what I do is I go in and I check my feedback every single morning and then I see that maybe five or 10 people left feedbacks. I look through them and then I click on their name and then I type up, I've got a template that I've already made. I just changed their first name. And I, and I basically just says like, you know, hey, Matt, I just noticed that you left feedback on our review. I really appreciate it. It seems like you're really happy with the product. Feedback is a little bit different than a review in Amazon and Amazon really likes these. 
If you could do us one more favor and just go over and leave a review, that would be awesome. I really appreciate it. Oh, by the way, I attached another PDF for you on how to do X, Y, Z, you know, 10 different ways or whatever, right? So I give them a little bonus. Boom, they go over and now they leave me uh, a review. So now I got a feedback that's building up my seller's account. And then I get a review that's going to also build up my conversion, uh, you know, my system on my actual listing. So this also- so now let me just finish here on this one and then wrap this part up. This is kind of important. The thing is now, now if they leave feedback, there's a little checkbox you can that you can uh, check inside of Feedback Genius that says if they left the feedback, don't email them the third email. Okay, because some people say, well, I don't want to bug them. I want to get them. Mad. I haven't had one person say, stop emailing me, by the way. And I've said probably over 5,000, maybe 6,000 um, to, to that many customers. So, uh, but basically, it's how you present it, too. It's how you talk in, in languaging. But the third one says this. This is really important. So make note of this when you're doing this in anything that you do. My last email here is that the subject line is very important. And it's these two words. Thank you. Explanation point. Then I, I basically start off. I go, I go, hey, Matt. Thank you so much again for being one of our customers. We really appreciate you know you taking the time to uh, you know purchase our product. I hope that it's it's living up to your expectations. You know if you could just do us a quick favor and leave us some feedback on your experience, we really appreciate it. Amazon really thrives on these. And then they'll either go leave a feedback or they never hear from me again. Okay, so it's really that gentle and that so, that that easy. But the beautiful thing is is we're able to keep triggering it just you know only if they haven't left the feedback. Okay, but we do it in a way that's not really like overbearing, and we're always adding value, always add value to the emails. So does that make sense? That makes sense, and I think this system sounds very cool for Kickstarter or if you want to private label your own product, which is actually something I'm doing as well, guys. But I have a question. So you're building this on Amazon's platform. There's a lot of inherent risks involved with that. I don't know if you know James Schramko own the race course, but essentially, the more that you're built on someone else, the more dependent you are on them they can shut you down do you have any fears about this and how do you mitigate something like that great question and yes um of course i mean who who doesn't and i'm a big believer of of taking your customers and trying to get them on your own platform and in this case it would be e-commerce right so here's the thing right now i always tell people if you're just starting out don't worry about building a website don't worry about a blog don't worry about any of that stuff because it's going to slow you down you might be building something that might not take off and you're going to waste all that time. So my kind of like the way that I teach people is really go at this thing and see if it's going to work. Go in at it for like, you know, three months, four months, get it rolling, get some sales, see if it's going to be a viable business. And then from there, start building out those external properties. Now, just recently, I built out a website for my product line. And I, and that's probably three months after I started, I did bought the domain. I did, you know, all that stuff, got it all hooked up. And, and I started adding some content to it. So start doing some content marketing with it and all that stuff. The, the stuff that takes time, the slower process type stuff. Amazon's you know kind of quick in a sense that you can go there, put a product there, run some paperclip to it, be on the first page in day one, start getting sales. It's really, you can do that. It's possible, depending on how aggressive you want to be. But um, so my plan is this, and there's some, you know, some, you know, discussion about this. Is, is, it, is it against the terms of service or not? I don't believe it is, but this is, again, my belief. What I've currently started doing was I add an insert card into my packaging. So my packaging now says like to register your product for the warranty updates, you know, and, um, you know, special offers, you know, go to this website. So then go to the website and it'll just be a simple registration page with my logo and all that stuff. And it'll basically read what it said. And basically they're just registering their product 
So when they register their product, they're in turn giving me their email address. So now I'm building an email list through my customers. So now if something does ever happen, I've got this email list being built externally. So now if I have an e-commerce store and I can build up a customer list of a thousand people, I've got a brand new product that I want to launch and I want to put it on my e-commerce, I can go ahead now and drive them to my e-commerce. So that's really the big picture. Yes, you do not want to count on Amazon, but you definitely want to use the channel to get the ball rolling and to hopefully keep it going. And, and let me just say this, the bigger that you can build your brand, meaning the more authority you can get to it, so the more feedback that you can get to it, the more products that you can put out there. I don't say more like a thousand SKUs. I'm saying like a good solid six products that are doing well. They can also, because once you do one product, it'll do well. And then if you do the second product, that can help the first product as long as they're synergistic. So, and that's something else I teach is definitely have products that are going to, to cross promote each other that your customers are going to want to buy because they do a great job of upselling and cross-selling and all that stuff. But, um, but to answer your question is, my thing is build the business on Amazon the right way without trying to go black hat, trying to buy reviews and all this shady type of stuff. Build it the right way. And I believe that you will, you will say, you know, I, I do believe that unless you cross the line. But in the, in the meantime, I would say once you get the ball rolling, start considering building your external channel, whatever platform that's going to be, whether it's going to be your blog, whether it's going to be a Shopify site, whatever it is. But the big thing is, is creating your or starting to build your email list. That's the one of the most important things you could be focusing on is doing that. There's the internet marketer. So, Scott, I just crushed my Kickstarter campaign. How do I take advantage of that while getting onto Amazon? What's the best way to leverage that success into Amazon channel growth? Well, there's a, there's a, there's a lot of benefits there. But uh, the first thing is, is you're going to have a bunch of customers that are probably going to be really happy with you. So the first thing that I would tell people when they're launching a product for the first time on Amazon is to get a list of people that you, that you can get reviews from, because you really want to start the base of reviews, whether it's five, 10, 20, however many you can get in the beginning, because all that that really is going to do is populate that you've had reviews and it's going to give you social proof. So the minute that you want to start using Amazon pay-per-click, which is powerful, you're going to be able to do that and you're going to have that social proof element. So your conversion rate is going to convert. Okay. It's going to actually sell. So the benefits of doing what you're doing is, is you got this audience, let's say a hundred people or 500 people, whatever you got, and they're going to basically have your product. Well, even though they have your product and they didn't buy it on Amazon, they can still leave a review on Amazon for you. They can. There's, it, it's just not going to be a verified review. So there, there's two different types of reviews. There's a verified review, meaning that someone bought the product through Amazon, or there's going to be an unverified review, meaning that you have a, a Kickstarter you know, company over here or a you know, project over here that you've done and you've got a customer base and now those people are going to go over and give you great testimonials. Or you might have a an e-commerce store that you have a customer list of people that bought it over here, but you're, you're asking them to go over and leave reviews so they can let people know. Amazon's cool with that. As long as it's your product that they're reviewing, because they want people to under, to, to know about your product and know if they've liked it. So even if you have a brick and mortar store and you sell a product on Amazon, you can still go and leave an unverified review. So my thing is, is you're going to have a huge advantage because you're going to be able to say, Hey guys, thank you so much. And to help me really get this thing out to the world, could you head over to Amazon and leave me a quick review on, you know, an honest review on, on how you've enjoyed the product. Now, if they paid full price for the product through you, but they, you know, and they're going to give that to you, I don't believe there's any reason to put in there. I received this product as a promotion, da, 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 da. If you run promotions, meaning if you give your product away for a couple bucks to get an honest review because you want a verified review through Amazon, they have to put a disclaimer in their review. 
Okay. But in your case, you know, really these people bought it for full price. So they can go over and leave an unverified review. And I believe that they just have to just explain why they enjoyed the product. And then from there, that's going to be a huge head start because now you can turn on Amazon pay-per-click tomorrow and your competitor might have 100 reviews. You might have 100 reviews right alongside them. So your conversion rate is going to be right back and neck. And so you, I think that's a huge advantage. You know, it'd be interesting. You talked about the having the disclaimer. If you had people start their reviews with, I bought this on Kickstarter, it gets rid of the whole unverified review and makes it look even cooler. Absolutely. That's a great idea, Matt. Yeah, I would definitely put that in there. And then it just shows this thing was so good that it, it, it actually launched the Kickstarter and it was successful on a Kickstarter. So it gives you a little bit, even a little bit more credit that it's, it's outside of Amazon, meaning that it's even bigger than Amazon kind of thing. I like that. Yeah. Absolutely. And Scott, we've had you on here for a while and you've got, you've got a lot of episodes. There's a lot of content. We can't cover this all, unfortunately, now. One last question for you before we start to wrap up. Sure. Scott, I want one piece of advice for listeners, one action item or takeaway. You said take action. What do you want to tell them? Well, I, I again, I would say that the same thing. And I, I pound that in people's heads, listen to my show. And that's what they love about me is that I just, I, I'm, I'm kind of no BS, just kind of like, you know what, there's no excuse. I mean, I've got a 17-year-old son that plays sports and, you know, he might be like, you know, yeah, I was up there. The umpire called it outside. Was it a hittable pitch? Just take action and hit the thing, right? That, that's my attitude, right? I'm not an excuse guy. So it's like there's no reason for you not to move forward other than fear. And if there's fear there, usually that means there's probably something good on the other side. That's the other thing that I've learned. So you know, like me starting this podcast, I started this podcast having the fear that I might not have any listeners. Am I doing this all for nothing? And then all of a sudden, you know, I figure out that I've got 140,000 downloads and I've got it, people email me every single day. I can't even keep up. And I've got a Facebook group, all of that stuff, right? Never would have happened if I didn't take the step, you know, in, in taking action. So my thing is, is depending on where you are in your journey, because everyone listening here is probably different places in their journey, figure out what that next step is and do it. And then once you get through that step, do the next and just keep following that path. And the one thing that I like to look at at different projects and stuff is like in, in different phases or different sprints, you know, it's like, you know, if you have something that you know it's going to need to do this whole process, map out the process, break it into little milestones, and then work yourself to those milestones, check it off, and then move to the next milestone. But as you can see what I'm saying here, it's, it's all about taking action, but you got to come up with the steps to take action upon. Just put one foot in front of the other. <laughs> Thanks for coming on, Scott. You've been an awesome guest. People want to reach out to you. They want to learn more about how they can crush it on Amazon, either with a crowdfunded product or private labeling, or they just want to say, hey, thanks for being a cool guy that loves garlic presses. Where's the best place to go? <laughs> yeah, I would just say head over to, to the blog where the, where the uh, podcast it resides. That is theamazingseller.com. You can also just go to iTunes and just, just, just search The Amazing Seller or just search FBA Selling and I'll come right up. Yeah. And, and, you know, like I said, if you want to go there and listen to Matt's episode that we did, you can go on there and just type in the search box, Matt Ward, you'll, you'll come right up. So yeah, that, that's pretty much it. I mean, I run a free podcast and do it three times a week. I do questions on Friday. I have voicemails that come in from my guests or my listeners and uh, I answer them on, on every Friday. So uh, yeah, a lot, lot of cool information over there and it's always evolving. So I'm always, uh, I'm always pumped to, to go ahead and share the, the information. Yeah, guys, I don't recommend a lot of podcasts. I listen to Scott's. Scott's is great if you want to sell on Amazon. Probably the best. You and Freedom Fastlane. Thanks for coming on today, Scott. Thanks for tuning in, listeners. Everybody have a great night, 
day, wherever you are. Thanks, Scott. Hey, thank you, Matt. Take care. Awesome. Hey guys, I'm your host, Matt Ward, and I want to thank you for tuning in to another episode of The Art of the Kickstart, where we believe inventors, innovators, and entrepreneurs are changing the world and bringing humanity forward into the future. If you like the ideas in this episode, or you're interested in learning more about crowdfunding and how to kill it with your own Kickstarter campaign, you can check out more at artofthekickstart.com. And if you've been listening to the show, love the episodes, but you're not subscribed, that's got to change. You can go to artofthekickstart.com slash iTunes or slash Stitcher and get the episodes delivered magically to your phone. And if you like the show, I would love you forever if you leave a review on iTunes. It helps more aspiring inventors and creators out there find the show and find the information they need to kill it on Kickstarter. Until next time, thanks for tuning in, guys, and have an absolutely 